Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And Jim, the good's a little bit of a stretch. We're not exactly sure what the larger fallout of this is going to be in a couple of years. But as a result of Warnock's win over Walker, I suspect... Uh, and that the Senate will soon be 5149 Democrat. Kirsten Cinema has let it be known she is leaving the Democrat Party. Uh, she uh, made a, a video that she put out on Twitter and I assume other places uh, today saying that she is going to become an independent. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. Registering as an independent and showing up to work with the title of independent is a reflection of who I've always been. And it's a reflection of who Arizona is. It's a reflection of the folks that I talk to at the grocery store, hear from at the park. It's who we are as a people. We don't line up to do what we're told. We do what's right for our state and for our country. I'm going to be the same person I've always been. So, Jim, a lot of people with a lot of different reactions today. A lot of the analysis seems to be that she's convinced that she can't win her own party's nomination anymore, so she's going to run as an independent. Uh, You've got Ruben Gallego, who's a far more lefty uh, congressman, uh, basically licking his chops, ready to primary her. Uh, And if there is a three-way campaign, I think that might actually help Republicans a little more if there's a uh, hardcore Democrat against a person who's a longtime Democrat. But you never know how these things work out. It could end up being uh, the Republicans end up backing cinema and it turns into a Joe Lieberman, Ned Lamont thing. But Arizona's nowhere near as blue as Connecticut. So uh, while we try to figure out how it's going to play out in two years, what do you think of the significance here? I was going to say, I think the time of the announcement is a bit more surprising than the announcement itself. The tensions between cinema and the rest of the Democratic Party, had, uh, if they hadn't gone dormant, they certainly were less noisy in the run-up to the midterm elections. I think most people figured out, oh, okay, well, you know, she signed on to the quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act, wink, wink, um, you know, they, what basically was build back better with a couple of reductions here and there. And I think most people figured, okay, well, that, that crisis, that dispute between her and the rest of the party has kind of moved as, you know, in the past and figured that, you know, she would remain in the party, uh, for the foreseeable future. Now I, I went back this morning and I, I, you know, was trying to think, okay, what have I written about this before? I was pleasantly surprised to remember a conversation I had with Hugh Hewitt. Hugh had asked, you know, could she become a Republican someday? And I said, that's really not likely to happen, but I could see her becoming an Angus King style Democrat or independent where, you know, you say you're independent, but you caucus with the Democrats. So uh, you help them keep the majority, but you are kind of, you know, as a personal branding issue, uh, you're not formally the Democratic Party's candidate. And lo and behold, that appears to be what she's done. Um, I'd like to claim it was psychic powers, but I was just, you know, Looking at the fact that she's still pro-choice, uh, she's still pro-gay rights, LGBTQ, the whole rank. You know, she just happens to be less supportive of tax hikes and regulation than your average Democrat and not willing to go along with every aspect of the Democratic Party's agenda. Now, a normal party would say, all right, well, that's, you know, what she can get done in Arizona. It is by and large, or at least up until very recently, was a red state. That's what she's got to be and have a similar attitude towards Joe Manchin. And they just accept that. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of Democrats are crazy, <laughs> you know, that, particularly the progressive grassroots. And you know, there was that infamous incident 
in which she was chased into the women's bathroom of a facility by these angry protesters who were who were just who were haranguing her. Ironically, if I remember correctly, over a position, she didn't actually necessarily agree with them, but she just wasn't moving as fast as they wanted. Um, I, and today's morning, Jill, I kind of said, I think that was a, uh, she didn't mention it in her op-ed in the Arizona Republic. She hasn't, it, does, it seems like a key moment though. In that sense of like where she had become an enemy, not just an opponent, not just a frustrating person, but an enemy to the progressive grassroots. And uh, the reaction from the rest of the party was not the full-throated, what the hell's wrong with you? You do not chase people into bathrooms. You do not harangue them in the stall. Leave them alone. You know, get your head examined. Uh, You know, Biden had said it was unfortunate, but that's part of the process and it happens to everyone. No, it does not happen to everyone. Otherwise, we'd be hearing about lawmakers getting chased into bathrooms all the time. So I can't get the feeling in the end, like that was a key moment of demonstrating to cinema. She didn't really have it, it wasn't just a matter. It wasn't a matter of issues. It was a matter of how do you see the world? Um, what is the role of a lawmaker? What are you supposed to do? And they're basically telling her your job is to fall in line, regardless of how you feel about it and regardless about how your state feels about it. And she's, you know, uh, compromised somewhat. Um, now, it's worth noting, she votes with the Biden administration position 93% of the time. That, by the way, I think is a little misleading because remember, by the time the bill gets to the Senate floor, she's already weighed in and they've had to negotiate it down on issues like the Inflation Reduction Act. So I kind of feel like that gives doesn't tell you the complete story. But she votes for most of the Biden administration's judicial nominations, etc. She's not a Republican and she's not a conservative. We should not fool ourselves into this. She is an idiosyncratic uh, Arizona senator, another maverick, so to speak, and one who disagrees with her party and isn't afraid to take those stances. I think for conservatives on the right, this is good news. I think, as you you know, one factor is that a three-way race probably increases the chances of a uh, Republican uh, winning that race. But even more, given a choice between Gallego or some other down-the-line, Daily Coast-style, you know, progressive Democrat, I'd much rather have Kirsten Cinema, who will probably you know disappoint me in the final result but will steer you know wants to steer the country in a center left position as opposed to a left left position so um the actual dynamics in capital it doesn't change a ton but i think she actually does increase her chances of getting reelected and i think it's also good symbolic value that you know when everybody's like oh republicans are in disarray well there are people who are being chased out of the democratic party as well but it's interesting to see the reaction to it because you know when john mccain bucked his party he was a principled maverick, somebody who's really standing up for what he truly believes, and that needs to be applauded. When a Democrat goes against their party, we chase them into bathrooms and call them a traitor because they won't kill the legislative filibuster. Mm. Maybe a slight difference in how things are, are looked at on the national uh, stage uh, based on which party you're in. I don't know. Maybe just a slight thing. Maybe it was just a nuance that I noticed, Jim. Ah, uh, what, what do we know? You know, look, yeah. in the end... Uh... Greg, the only thing the Demo- progressive Democrats really want is red meat, except it has to be vegan. <laughs> yeah, they want you crickets and stuff. We don't want that. You want real meat, and that's exactly what you want for yourself, your family, your friends this Christmas and holiday season. Omaha Steaks is the way to go. Right now, phenomenal deal, 50% off site-wide. Plus, if you use our promo code MARTINI at checkout, you'll get an additional $40 off. It's a phenomenal meal. It's not just a great steak, and it is a great filling, tender, juicy, flavorful steak, but you also get the sides, and you even have dessert. You can customize your Omaha Steaks order however you want it, but get it now while the deal is phenomenal. 
Imagine sending to your loved ones this holiday season an assortment of mouthwatering favorites that are guaranteed to impress. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so you should shop early and beat the shipping rush. It's all backed by an unconditional 100% money-back guarantee. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a heart that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com to save 50% site-wide and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. Keep in mind, a minimum order may be required. omahasteaks.com, promo code MARTINI at checkout, omahasteaks.com, code MARTINI. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now and what Twitter was doing back when the left was running it or perhaps in some ways doing the bidding of the left has become a very common bad martini now. This will be the third time we had the Matt Taibbi thread last week, then the Jim Baker interference uh, with this latest round of reporting. And now we have that reporting uh, and there's more to come. Uh, But this is from Barry Weiss. Uh, She, of course, used to be with the the New York Times and then they went absolutely nuts. Uh, She did a a very good job giving the left a reality check on on a number of different issues. I think she was our most honest person of the year uh, in 2021. But nonetheless, uh, this time she's not looking at the Hunter Biden laptop uh, decision making. She's looking at shadow banning, Jim. But it's not called shadow banning. It was called visibility filtering. And so basically what Twitter was doing was uh, finding accounts it found disfavorable and making sure that they never trended, uh, that they were further down on people's feeds, basically suppressing messages from people they didn't like. It looks like it's more about accounts than topics. People included on this list include Stanford uh, scientist Jay Bhattacharya, who is arguing for opening schools and that the harm that, that closing schools uh, was having on kids was worse than COVID itself. Uh, then there's Dan Bongino, there's Charlie Kirk, uh, there's Libs of TikTok, which is a, a fascinating case in a number of different ways. But they had these different committees with uh, these Orwellian uh, acronyms and, and people deciding which accounts were going to get that sort of treatment. So, uh, Jim, I feel like um, Han Solo here in uh, that, that terrible movie that was, I think, episode seven, where he just looks at the guy and goes, it's true. All of it. So <laughs> it was really happening. Yeah. I, on the one hand, it is not surprising. I think it is surprising that they had this formal, clear structure. They were doing it. Seemingly everybody in senior management or had you know a role in that content management knew they were doing it and was completely comfortable with Jack Dorsey, who looked pretty good in that previous batch of uh, Twitter files released by Matt Taby. Uh, Dorsey, you know, straight up lied. There's <laughs> really no other way to put this. Um, now, I think the other, well, the reason this is not enormously shocking is that the sheer number of people who had experienced something like this. I went back and I checked. Back in 2018, um, I just kind of used, to, you know, decided to compare two members of the Senate to see, you know, does this make sense? Uh, at the time, Ted Senator Ted Cruz had more than 3.2 million followers, which, you know, is a lot. Uh, and then you had uh, the relatively, at that point, new Senator uh, Kamala Harris, now the vice president. And at that point, she had 1.5 million followers, right? So she has half as many, right? Um, but then you look at how many times were, you know, Ted Cruz's, uh, you know, tweets shared. And I just picked, it was a random time. This is, you know, uh, April 2018. Um you know, not any huge items going on in the news or something like that. You look through and a lot of times Ted Cruz would have about a couple hundred retweets, uh, 259, 90, 62. The most retweeted item he had 
was retweeted 416 times. Which when you have 3.2 million followers, you're like, wow, that's a really low engagement rate. Very few people seem to think, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to share this with my followers. But okay, maybe he picked really boring topics or, you know, but then you looked at Kamala Harris and then her having, again, less than half as many followers. Her recent tweets were retweeted 1,800 times, 1,300 times, 981 times, and 4,000 times. So I asked, you know, is it that Kamala Harris's tweets are just that much more interesting? Are her constituents and followers are just much more likely to retweet stuff? Are conservatives just less likely to retweet things than liberals are? Or are some of Cruz's followers not seeing his tweets? And based on what we now know from Barry Weiss and the Twitter files, it's shadow. It clearly was a situation in which, you know, uh, Ted Cruz had 3.2 million followers. But even accounting for the people who aren't online, a certain number of those followers were not seeing what he was putting out there. And an astonishing number of conservatives, including myself, you know, you you hop on Twitter. But there are certain people who are trying to monetize their Twitter feeds and think it's a much, you know, attracting as wide an audience as possible is a, a much bigger deal to them professionally. Thankfully, I've never really been in that situation. But yeah, you'd always like to have the biggest audience you can. And, you know, there was a, I got up to about 100,000 followers and then I stopped. I mean, I, you know, months would go by and I would add like four. It was an astonishing, you know, and you're sitting there, you're saying like, okay, I, I grew very steadily year by year. And then I just hit this ceiling and it seemed like nobody wanted to follow me. And you're kind of like, that's strange. Like, you know, like, do I suck? You know, did I, did the quality of what I'm tweeting dramatically drop? Why? You know, so it just, it did not follow what anybody would consider to be a normal pattern. And you talk to almost any conservative who's got a Twitter account. They have very similar stories to share of enjoying consistent growth. At some point, something, you know, they, they go viral, they build it, and then it just stops. And then you put stuff out there and it just would, you know, the, the amount of reactions uh, would go there. Twitter always had this uh, thing called tweet analytics where it would tell you how many of your followers had seen something. Um, and this was in uh, January of this year. Uh, I put something out. Again, I was in the neighborhood of 100,000 followers. You know, a couple minutes went by and I decided how many people looked at it. And this was, you know, middle of the day. Uh, I'm sorry, mid to late afternoon, 341, January 27th, year 2022 724 people had seen what i put out there and it just seemed small for out of a hundred thousand people less than a thousand people had seen it in the middle of the afternoon so my sense was that this was going on didn't know if there was any way to do anything about it some people enjoyed uh, a nice surge in followers after elon musk took over some people argued um this was a sign that conservatives were jumping onto twitter and that liberals were leaving twitter but it clearly looks like there was some sense, the, the sense that what you were putting out there wasn't reaching the full number of audience. And the sheer number of times people would say, hey, I know I follow you, but I don't see your tweets anymore, uh, indicated that you know Twitter, those, those behind the scenes, those controlled the distribution of the content, were indeed manipulating it, were indeed trying to keep conservatives from reaching the audience that they had earned, that they had you know attracted themselves. And it was extraordinarily frustrating. It is good to see that it's out there. I certainly hope that Musk and the new management adjust this. And it also indicates that the sheer number of times we've been told, um, oh, this is nothing. You're being, you know, you know, like, you know, it is, it's interesting how much we're developing this modern vocabulary, uh, Greg. We were being gaslit about being shadow banned. <laughs> no, 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 no. You weren't Ironically, the Democrats him. want to gas ban as well. <laughs> You weren't shadow banned, Jim. Again, visibility filtered 
is mm. what you were. Yes, yes, yes. And well, the so, only people who couldn't see it happening were visibility filtered themselves. <laughs> exactly right. So, you know, there's some people out there uh, trying to blow it off by saying, well, I'm not a Charlie Kirk fan. I'm not a Dan Bongino fan. I'm not a this fan or that fan. So what's the big deal? And Jim comes back to the uh, the line of one Hans Gruber on Christmas Eve 1988 at Nakatomi Plaza. Sooner or later, I might get to someone you do care about. <laughs> and so that's why you need to make sure that it's a level playing field uh, before yeah. it gets too crazy. But the other, like, you know, the the, uh, the example Weiss cited of libs of TikTok. Libs of TikTok just retweets or shares videos that people, other liberals, very often teachers and folks like that, have put on, you know, Instagram or other social media themselves looking like idiots, looking like, you know, talking about openly, pra- you know, boasting of propagandizing their students or stuff like that. Like, if you didn't want that out there or reaching a large audience, well, then you shouldn't have put it up on social media. Libs of TikTok doesn't do any commentary doesn't do any additional you know it just just it's it's a documentary like it just here's what we here's what what is out there now if this ends up causing teachers to lose their jobs hey that's on you you made the decision to do this and you you know, effectively offered a confession right you put this out there the fact that libs of tiktok was one of the groups and apparently they kept getting denounced for hate speech libs of tiktok never said anything how can you be you know suppressed or punished for hate speech when all you're doing is sharing other things other people have done. What it was was very Twitter management didn't like libs of TikTok. And that's what it led to. So this is a, you know, I can't top the quoting of Hans Gruber, uh, Greg. But I will point out, I just reminded of Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. All right, on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And this one certainly qualifies as crazy. Um, you might have noticed, was it last week, maybe the week before, that this guy, Sam Brinton, over at the Department of Energy, uh, nuclear waste expert, identifies as non-binary and often uh, dresses in, in women's clothes, uh, even on the job, uh, allegedly stole a woman's suitcase from a Minneapolis airport in September, so I guess it was earlier, but the story just got out, uh, now been accused of another luggage heist at a Las Vegas airport. A felony warrant on grand larceny charges was issued for Sam Brinton, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition at the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. Uh, Brinton, who made history as one of the federal government's first gender-fluid officials, this is the New York Post uh, story, allegedly stole luggage from another traveler at Harry Reid International Airport in Vegas on an unknown date. So not exactly sure when this was, but the story is just coming out now. The first time in Minneapolis, he stole the luggage. He didn't even check any baggage, so it was obviously very deliberate. I don't know the details here. Uh, Something is clearly very, very wrong with this official, Jim, but uh, perhaps because we're, I don't know, protecting a certain demographic that the Biden administration wants to uh, protect here. There's apparently no consequences because nobody's talking about it at the administration. Well, I, I hope my colleague is okay with me saying this, but the best reaction to this news I have seen comes from Dan McLaughlin, who uh, responded, if you don't want anyone making off with other people's stuff, you shouldn't name the airport after Harry Reid. <laughs> I hope, I hope Dan's okay with me sharing that joke. Uh, I'll say, way to go, Nevada. Way to go. Um, so I, you, we can laugh at this, but first of all, like, how does the first incident of stealing luggage not get you canned from your federal government job with security clearance that requires, you know, uh, all kinds of important duties, et cetera? But the second one, the second thought, look, um, 
there's no denying the last couple of years we've seen more and more people come out uh, with alternative sexualities, alternative identities, and insistence that they're gender non-binary and and all th- sorts of things like that. And by and large, my attitude is I, I don't I can't say I relate to it. I can't say I really understand it. I can just say I hope if you are one of those folks going through that kind of difficulties with identity, I hope you find a way to be happy. I hope you find a way to be comfortable in your own skin and live a happy and fulfilling life. I don't think every person who's going through this is necessarily crazy or brain damaged or something like that. But you look at this guy with this sensitive job in the Biden administration who has this, you know, apparently not just a one-off, but a habit of stealing luggage. And you start wondering, hmm, where does he get all of, he, she, they, uh, where does this person get all of their uh, clothes? We've seen them in all of those fabulous photo shoots, et cetera. How many times has this person stolen uh, luggage from airports and, and things like that? You're then left with this question. This person's clearly crazy. Like not just, you know, Kanye West level, what is wrong with them? They need not just therapy, but possibly, you know, like there, there's something, clearly this person has some sort of uncontrollable urge to steal things, which is not someone you want in charge of nuclear materials or anything like that. Um, and then you're kind of left with this strange question of, okay, if this person's crazy about the, this, you know, this topic, why, why are the rest of us forced to act like they're not crazy? Why are the rest of us forced to act like, oh, this is perfectly normal behavior? And by the way, this was the person who I'll just, you know, if you want to know all the kind of sordid public expressions of their sexual identity, just Google it. I'm not going to get into it. This is a relatively family podcast. But let's just say there's been a long stream of this. In fact, the reason, look, let's face it, we don't usually know about obscure officials like this. It's because of the odd and extraordinarily public sexual material that this figure has chosen to put out there. And I think there's this, you can now say, oh, this person was never sane. This person was never uh, of sound mind and good judgment and worthy of this responsibility. This person only got this responsibility because the Biden administration apparently was seems afraid to hold this person accountable for actions. Um, to see, you know, like otherwise you'd be canned after the first time you're caught stealing luggage from airports. So I think, you know, this person maybe unknowingly has done a great deal of damage to the causes that uh, this person claims to believe in because people look at this and say, oh, this is not um, a psychological issue that causes us to uh, feel sympathy for this person. This is someone who want, doesn't think the rules apply to them, that they they want to steal, they want to do whatever they want, they don't want to live with the consequences of their actions, and by no stretch of the imagination does this person belong in the federal government with any degree of serious responsibility. Well, it goes back to when Biden was putting his cabinet together. The first thing we always heard about was, this is historic. It's the first fill in the blank uh, a person to hold this particular secretary's job or director of this. It was always the uh, identity politics of it first. And then, oh, by the way, we think they do a good job too. Uh, and as we see with uh, yeah. some of the- And now different... we know they don't. <laughs> yes, yes. We know from a lot of these people over the past two years that they're not so good at their job uh, and that it was just about uh, checking some boxes along the way. But, uh, Jim, crazy, crazy stuff to head into the weekend. Uh, I know you got a big game against the Bills this weekend. The Bears will not lose this weekend. They have a bye. And so uh, there you go. Have a good one. 
Uh, see you Monday, Greg. <laughs> Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. Thank you very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Buy Jim's new book, Gathering Five Storms, the accompanying short story, Saving the Devil. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a tremendous weekend and join us again on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.